Episode 383, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks. Conquer your hidden fear and take your life to the next level. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon as a coach and implementer. I'm here for you. I've got your back. Get to the podcast. It's important to really remember that you create your own arena, your environment, not just your physical environment, but just as importantly, your mental environment. This episode is sponsored by The Arena, the men's only membership community that really will enhance all and everything you're doing. Dig deeper into the effective model, philosophy and strategies. Ultimately, it's that mindset and philosophy to fulfillment and the art of living. That's mental toughness and strength going forward as a man. Stepping into the arena is what it's all about. This is going to be 10x the value. And for the founding members, please do go and check this out. This is a huge opportunity to get in at the ground floor. That's ayalpha.com forward slash arena. Get to the podcast. Okay, this week is all about the big leak. Leap even. We've got Gay Hendricks. He's been a leader in the fields of relationship transformation and body-mind transformation for more than 45 years. After earning his PhD from Stanford in 1974 even, Gay served as professor of counseling psychology at the University of Colorado for 21 years. He has written more than 40 books, including bestsellers such as Five Wishes, The Big Leap, Conscious Loving, and Conscious Loving Ever After. The last two co-authored with his co-author and mate for more than 35 years, Dr. Catherine Hendricks. He's also a mystery novelist that some of you might not know. His latest book, The Joy of Genius, shows how to eliminate negative thinking and bring forth true creativity. Gay has appeared on more than 500 radio, radio and television shows, including opera, CNN, CNBC, 48 Hours, and many more. The bio is could go on for ages because he's done so much. Gay, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I'm ready to awaken my alpha. In fact, I just got back from pumping iron at the gym for an hour this morning. Awesome. Perfect. A lot we could pull on, but um, is there anything you'd like to add or highlight from your career, your journey? What are you all about at the moment? Well, for about the last 45 years, I've been about helping people expand their genius. And uh, the big leap is about how to connect with your own genius and let it flower. And the new book shows you a precise technology for how to keep that going every day. And uh, so my main interest is uh, in the big leap, I say I have this universal success mantra that I use, which is I expand in love, abundance, and creativity every day as I assist others in doing the same. So for me, life is at its best when I'm working with other people, helping them discover more of their genius. I love it. It sounds like such a, you know, such a good thing to be doing. Can you tell us briefly your origins? Where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? And, and how did you get to this point being on Oprah and all these books and living such a fulfilled life? Well, I'll tell you, it boils down to one particular day that I'll tell you about um, when I was 24 years old. And, but uh, my actual origins, I come from a small town in Florida and uh, called Leesburg, Florida. And my uh, grandparents and my parents lived there since the turn of the last century, around 1900. And so I grew up in a small town in Florida, and it was a very 
uh, you know, it was hot and buggy and uh, it was kind of out in the middle of the swamps. And so it was uh, hot and buggy and I had alligators in my backyard sometimes. And uh, so it was, it was pretty wild, but um, I ended up uh, going um, to, to get later. I went up to New England to get my master's degree. And then I went out to Stanford to get my doctorate because I discovered the field of counseling and counseling psychology. And so once, once I got bitten by the counseling bug, I've never had a dull moment ever since. I've uh, really devoted my whole life to finding new and better ways of helping people open up their genius. A big day for me was in 1969, probably long before you were born, my boy. Yeah, uh, about, about 10 years. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was 24 years old. And uh, some people, if you've read my any of my books, you may know that I started out in life, I had kind of a rough start, because um, I was born with some problems with my thyroid and pituitary glands. And it made me from kind of the moment I was a baby, I gained a lot of weight. And so I had these big rolls of fat on me, if you look at oh, a baby okay. picture of yeah. me. And I continued to be obese throughout my teenage years. And it wasn't until my um, 24 years old, uh, in 1969, that I had a moment happen that changed everything. I'd gone to doctors and everything, taken pills and all that, and I never could get my weight under control. And so by the time I was 24 years old, I was carrying around more than 300 pounds of weight compared Whoa. to like today I weigh 180 pounds. I don't know. Yeah, you, you look can... very slim. Yeah. See, I'm a, you know, a six foot tall, 180 pound guy. So I, I, I look more like a, uh, a tree than like a pear when I started. <laughs> and so um, on this magic day in 1969, I was taking a walk and everything was wrong in my life. I, I didn't like my job. I didn't like my car. I was in a relationship that wasn't going well. I didn't like where I was living. Anyway, everything was going wrong. Plus, I smoked heavily at the time, two or three packs of Marlboros a day, and I weighed 120 pounds more than I should have weighed. <sighs> so I went out for a walk, and I had the great good fortune of having a slip and fall where I kind of whoomp down on my back and I didn't knock myself out, but I kind of jolted myself out of my ordinary state of consciousness for a moment. And during that maybe two minutes, I had this wonderful experience of, for the first time in my life, really feeling all the way down through all of the different levels of me. Like I could feel my feelings. I could feel that I was angry about certain things and I sad and scared, but I had never said a word to anybody about any of those feelings. They'd all been, yeah. you know, tucked inside this macho kind of uh, personality. And so on this particular day, I could see all of my feelings inside. Plus I could, I felt this thing that I now call pure consciousness where I could feel that at the bottom of everything, there was just this pure consciousness that didn't have any history on it or anything like that. It was just the essential me. And I did this thing, which I really now, I think, changed everything. As I was about to get back up, I made a commitment. I said, I commit to feeling this way all the time. I want to always be in touch with this consciousness inside. I want to always know who I really am. And so I came back into my regular life and I started eating differently. I started eating 
to feed that pure consciousness inside rather than to feed my old 300 pound body. I lost a hundred pounds within a year. <laughs> it was amazing. And during that period of time, I also, uh, at the time I wore big thick glasses, I began to be able to see okay without my glasses. And actually for the first time in my life passed my driver's test in New Hampshire without my um, glasses. So that was a huge breakthrough for me. So basically everything changed after that. And I got so that I became really sensitive to making every decision based on, is this going to feed my spirit, my new spirit, or is it going to feed my old personality, my mm, 300 pound yeah. personality? And I kept just making that choice. And I had this great experience also, not long after that, I learned how to meditate. And so uh, meditation was kind of brand new at the time. Maharishi yeah. had just come over with TM and Zen people were coming over with Zen meditation. And later on, there would be the Vipassana and mindfulness meditation and that kind of thing. But at the time, it was kind of a rare thing. But I learned how to meditate and that became a real mainstay for me over the years. And actually, um, I have a 47 year meditation streak going. I haven't missed a day of meditation wow. since the early 1970s. <laughs> well, that is some <laughs> consistency. There's definite power and consistency. Talking about such a, you know, a personal transformation, when did you kind of make the leap to, you know, you've been bettering yourself and seeing the effects it's having on you, but then a lot of people may just not stop there, but they might not then take it to the next level of, you know, publishing books and, and helping thousands and, likely millions worldwide so when did that kind of transition was there a moment you thought i'm going to not just help myself i'm going to you know put it out there i remember the exact moment thank you for asking i hadn't thought about this in a long time but when my daughter was six years old amanda is her name and uh, she lives up in the bay area now on a boat and uh, so yeah. she's uh, more like 50 years old now but when she was six years old I used to volunteer to go sit in her classroom and help out. And, um, you know, with these 25, six year olds, the teacher <laughs> often needed uh, help. And so I would go in sometimes and sometimes other parents, we kind of had these little shifts we would do, you know, like three hours here and three hours there. So as I was in my daughter's class, I had this noticing one day that how much time it took for the teacher just to get people sort of organized and relaxed and back in their seats after recess and everything like that. And I begin to think, wow, wouldn't it be cool if this teacher had a little handbook of centering activities that they could do with the kids to get them like before tests to get everybody centered and that kind of thing. So I went home and I sketched out such a little book. And as if by magic, I happened to run into a person who was a scout for the publishing company, Prentice Hall. And so I pitched him my idea. And five minutes later, he said, that sounds like a great idea. The next day he was on the phone with Prentice Hall and he called me up and they said, they like your idea of your book, write up a 10 page proposal and I bet they'll buy it. And so I wrote up this little proposal on wow. a borrowed typewriter and uh, turned it in and they gave me an advance. Well, you're an author, I think you probably know uh, what this would mean. I got an advance of $800, you know, and I thought it was the end of the world. I thought this is it. You know, I've, I've yeah. made it. In wow. Life. That, no, and, that's uh, awesome. that's, again, I'm, and I'm assuming this is a little while ago. So obviously yeah. <laughs> this, that's $800 even more then. It was in 1973. 
Yeah, and so uh, back then gas cost uh, 25 or 30 cents a gallon. So anyway, having $800, that was like a fortune to me at the time. And, uh, you know, later on in my life, I'd be offered hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollar advances for books, but that $800, that really started everything. I thought, okay, so I started writing the book and it became a, a good bestseller right after it came out. Wow. And so I had this whole bunch of years there. I went around doing education seminars. Had, had you ever had any aspirations before that kind of that situational that happened to you? No aspirations to be a writer before then, really? Or? Well, oh yeah, I like to write, but yeah. I never thought of writing a book like that. I always wow. thought someday I'd write a mystery novel, which I would later yeah. do later on in my life. Uh, but uh, yeah, my mother was a, a newspaper reporter and a columnist in the paper. So I have kind of writing in my blood, so to speak. Yeah. And I have an aunt also who was a good writer. Um, so it's kind of a family thing. But I, um, I took it to the edge in the sense that I started publishing books in 1975 and have essentially published one a year ever since then. And so uh, I think I'm now about to come out with book number 44. And so uh, just Whoa. about every year I, I crank a new one out. It's a habit for me. What which out of all them books, maybe not the one that of outside viewers would say this is the big one or this is the one that really put you on the map which one do you feel really that you felt like this is a success at least for you in, in terms of this is like a really put you on the map and you felt like i'm i'm like a, a best-selling writer and you know <laughs> this is the one yes that would be learning to love yourself which i wrote the first summer i met my wife katie in 1980 and i wrote um a little book called learning to love yourself about the process of learning to love your body, your emotions, your spirit. Uh, and uh, it's been a steady bestseller since 1982. So it's probably wow. um, the one that got me. Well, it's also, interestingly enough, the one that Oprah Winfrey first called me about to be on her show. And oddly enough, I had just, when, when they called from Oprah to get me on for that show, I just gotten off the plane in Hawaii where I was going to teach a course. And it was about 80 degrees there in Hawaii. And I asked them back there in uh, Chicago, what's the temperature out there? And he said, oh, I think it's gonna be up to 17 degrees today. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm not gonna get on an airplane and fly back eight hours to Chicago. So I'm probably the only, the, the, the only self-help book author in history who ever turned down the opportunity to be on Oprah the first time. Fortunately, later on, when our book Conscious Loving came out, that's when we were on uh, Oprah around 1990 or so. Yeah. And uh, so that led to a great relationship where we were on there with other books and yeah. that kind of thing. But uh, it, it was really interesting to, uh, to have that experience. And uh, she was an absolutely fabulous human being. I mean, I think uh, of all the people I've ever met in the whole media landscape, she just had such great energy about her, and uh, I really respected her a lot. She awesome. lives not far from us here. She lives probably 17 miles over the hill. Quality. So which book would your publisher say is the biggest success? <laughs> Conscious Loving. Yeah, they would say either Conscious Loving or The Big Leap. So Conscious Loving was published around 90, and so for 30 years, it's been a steady bestseller and has become a classic in the field of relationship counseling. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, not a day goes by that we don't get letters from people saying that book transformed their relationship, which is the best thing you can ever say to an author. Yeah. And um, I've interviewed, you know, this is like episode 378 or something like that. And I always ask for book recommendations. And the big leap has come up a lot. 
and that's you know with the, the classic um obviously the classic front cover with the goldfish and that really resonates to awakening your alpha and, and you know <laughs> going at fighting your feels and looking fear and looking for that fulfilled life I want to talk a little bit about what do you believe is sort of the number one barrier to happiness and fulfillment and someone who's listening to this sort of show and you know the concepts that are covered in the big leap yes um, I'm just looking across the desk here uh, where I am in my office we give out a little wristband at our seminars that says breathe move love on it mm. and it's an instruction to what you can do anytime you're feeling stuck or you need to expand. We say first, breathe. <sighs> because what happens when people get scared is they limit their breathing and they tighten their bellies and breathe more shallow in their chests. And if you do that, any human being, if they did that, would start to feel off center very quickly. So what we need to do when we get stuck anytime is first remember to ah, bring some life energy through ourselves. The second thing to do is move your body a little bit because a lot of people will sit there. I've seen it in my office um, many, many times where I'll be working with a couple and one of them will be sitting there just frozen in position like this maybe. Yeah. You know, and um, really stuck and I'll ask them, okay, take a breath and open your body language a little bit. And so that'll start a flow of communication. The third thing, it says, breathe, move, love. The reason we put love on there, I mean, love is a good thing anyway, but it's an important healing tool. When you love to learn, when you learn to love yourself, when you learn to take the energy that you've been putting out this direction and bring it back here too, we always say you can only love others to the extent that you can love yourself. And so if you try to love others and don't love yourself, you end up being a martyr or depleting yourself. But if you learn to, we call it the loop of awareness, where you have experiencing love for yourself and love for others. That's the key to stay in that kind of balance. A lot of us get in a kind of a lopsided relationship where one of us is the giver and the other one is the taker yeah you've probably seen like relationships like that yourself well those obviously will never work because you cannot have an imbalance you have to have a circular flow of love and good feeling between yourself and other people awesome. and i want to ask you about the sort of the concept of you put me money but you know around that we artificially kind of limit our ha happiness and we put that we don't Feel we deserve it all and we sort of cap our levels of joy for no real reason well that's what i call the upper limit problem yeah. in the big leap the upper limit problem is a tendency to put a lid on your rising energy your rising love and you see it all the time you know like i i, I mean once i started looking for it i see it everywhere like even in a store the other day you know i was um i was watching a parent um try to keep their kid from being excited you know and the more the parent was trying to keep the kid from being excited you know the kid was getting more excited so what you need to do in your life is look for situations where you're upper limiting yourself where you suddenly stop the flow of aliveness or you stop the flow of love where you're having an intimate moment with your partner let's say and then somebody says oh you know the upstairs toilet is broken 
Plum. There goes the broken flow of energy. And I mean, it sounds silly, but I cannot tell you. I probably have 100 examples, 200 maybe in my files of people who did exactly that in a relationship. One, one person comes in and says, oh, honey, I love you. Happy. I'm so happy today. And the other one will say, yeah, but what about this tax bill we just got? Clunk. You know, puts, puts the brakes on the energy. And uh, so um, what we need to do is nurture a flow of aliveness and creative energy in ourselves. You mentioned um, our book, Conscious Loving Ever After, which is a book for people in the second half of life, age 40 and up. And we oh, work with couples. I just made the club. I just turned 40. <laughs> All right. You're right on the ver uh, verge. Well, here's the thing you got to know in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s in relationship. By the way, I don't know anything about you much. Are you in a close relationship? Yeah, I'm uh, married and two children. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, go. So you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. From here on out, the greatest gift you can give to your marriage is to keep stoking your own creative energy and keep finding new ways to get your own creative energy out. Because from 40 and up, relationships depend on creativity from both people making an investment in their own creativity as well as an investment in the relationship. And so um, the way we put it is, uh, especially from age 50 on, every breath you take is a choice between creativity or stagnation. Mm. Creativity or stagnation. And I'll tell you, when I was growing up, I saw so many people that had just quit growing, you know, in mm, their marriages yeah. and in their life. That made me so sad. I couldn't put my finger on what the problem was at the time, but I now know that what happened is they started saying no to their creative energy. And once you start doing that, it starts a downward spiral. But all you have to do is make a, the way we do it is we say, start with 10 minutes a day of doing something that you absolutely love to do, whether it's writing a poem or painting or taking a walk in nature, it doesn't really matter as long as it nurtures that creative flow in yourself. That's the best thing you can do for your relationships in the second half of your life. Awesome. And um, when I think of the big leap and when people have mentioned it as well, and you talked about upper limits, I think of fear and it's a, I, that, that whole topic is fascinating to me. What are your thoughts around fear and how to overcome fear in terms of, you know, increasing or removing your upper limits? Fear is the big problem. And, you know, we always say fear is excitement without the breath. So the same mechanisms that make you excited are the same ones that make you scared if you clutch up. That way, excitement turns to fear. But if you want to take fear and turn it into excitement, breathe with it, move with it, participate with it. We have a whole, in fact, uh, let me put in a plug for our um, something that's on the website of our nonprofit foundation. Uh, we have a nonprofit foundation called the Foundation for Conscious Living. And people um, that join it and donate to it, uh, they get access to a whole bunch of different things. But any, anybody can go to the Foundation for Conscious Living website and do something we call the fear melters. It's a free thing that's on there, a bunch of videos and that kind of thing. If you want to really learn how to transmute your fear into positive energy, go do the fear melters. It won't take you very long, uh, but uh, they're all at the Foundation for Conscious Living website, and it's absolutely free. Awesome. Thank you for that. 
Well, I'm aware of your time as well. So I want to start to wrap this up with the alpha round. And I like to start that off with, is there a particular favorite quote um, that really sums up your approach to life and all of what we've been talking about? Is there anything that springs to mind? There's a great quotation from Walt Disney. He says, if you can dream it, you can do it. If you can dream it, you can do it. You know, and it's really true. I had a dream of how I wanted things to be, and they've all come true. Um, I wrote about that in detail in my book, Five Wishes, where there was this one day where I said, what do I really want out of my life? And I came up with these five things, and all five of them have come true, I'm happy to say. And, but now I like to help other people make their dreams come true. Once, once my dreams came true, I, I got the biggest kick out of helping other people make theirs come true. Awesome. And you've written so many books. So uh, taking your books out of the equation, what's been a particularly impactful book for you in terms as a reader and maybe one you recommend to others? I loved a book, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. I used to oh. read that all the time when I was first getting started. It's really a book about learning to love yourself. It's not called that, but uh, it, it's a lot about how to handle things with love, how to come out of fear into love. So that was really important to me. Also, um, I, uh, I love the books of um, the Indian philosopher J. Krishnamurti. I happen to live in the town where the Krishnamurti Foundation is. And uh, he passed away in 1986, but uh, he was a big influence on me early in my life. Okay. Having gone through the bulk of this interview, who from your network do you think would make a really good interview for Awaken Your Alpha and you just feel like it's a, a fit and this name pops into your head? Is there anyone? Uh, the first name that popped into my head was um, a fellow I know uh, named uh, Jim Selman, who is a, um, he's a big business consultant for the last 40 years. Uh, but he has a book um, uh, called um, uh, Something in a Real-Time World, Living in a Real-Time World, I think it's called. But anyway, it's a lot about how to be present in your life, in your work. Uh, so that's one person who uh, comes to mind, first of all. Um, if I think of anybody else, I'll let you know. Perfect. And um, it seems like there's many ways, but what's the best way for anyone to connect with you if they want to learn more and uh, carry on the conversation? Just go to hendricks.com, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S.com. And uh, if you want to email me, you can always get hold of me at info at hendricks.com. Brilliant. And What's the, the future of you? What's, what's coming up for you? And uh, also, is there any question you wished I'd ask or you really feel like you, you want to leave us with something? <laughs> well, as far as the future goes, um, I'm now working on a podcast that we're going to be launching uh, in the spring that will go along with my new book that will be out in May called Conscious Luck. And so uh, the, uh, the podcast will be happening uh, later on in the winter. Uh, also, right now in my life, you know, in the, in the ancient Hindu system, they break life into four categories. First, you're a child, then you're a student, and then you're a householder, and then you're a forest dweller. So the last stage of life they call forest dweller. So I'm kind of a modified forest dweller. I like to spend, you know, I like to spend my time writing and giving talks and doing interviews and things like that. But a lot of the time, you'll also just find me wandering around our property, uh, enjoying a walk, and I uh, like to play a little golf in the afternoon. So um, uh, I, I really enjoy just 
pure being, I guess you might say, is so important to me at this stage of my life. And also my relationship, uh, Katie and I met almost 40 years ago in January. So we just had our 38th wedding wow, anniversary. Congratulations. And our yeah. relationship is, you know, it's, it's become part of everything I do. She's over in Santa Barbara today um, doing some things. But uh, most of the time we work together and uh, it's, a, it's, it's a joyful life, but also it's a, a life we dreamed up and we'd never seen anybody else do it. And uh, we decided to dream it up and do it ourselves. And by golly, it worked. Awesome. And this one's a purely personal question from, for me anyway. For aspiring authors or someone who's maybe written a book or two and is looking to take it up to the next level and make this you know, a full career and you know, have multiple books under their age and be in a position like you, what one piece of advice would you give? I would give you a piece of advice that to, well, let me tell you what we do mm -hmm. yeah. here. Even if you've written 10 books, I ask everybody to summarize their work in one minute, summarize their work in two minutes, and summarize their work in five minutes. So one minute, you can use maybe one or two concepts and an example. Two minutes, you can work in a couple of examples. Five minutes, you can really work. And I would say, get so you can do that. So you mm. know your work in your bones so much that you can do a one minute, a two minute, and a five minute instant elevator presentation. Like if you sit down next to somebody on an airplane and they say, what do you do? Boom. Yeah. You know, so you can useful. tell. Yeah. yeah. So wow. that's one thing I would do. Okay. It's been an absolute pleasure today. I know you've got, you've got to play some golf and you've got some other things to do. So uh, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Blessings to you. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless. This episode is sponsored by The Arena, the men's only membership community that really will enhance all and everything you're doing. Dig deeper into the effective model, philosophy, and strategies. Ultimately, it's that mindset and philosophy to fulfillment and the art of living. That's mental toughness and strength going forward as a man. Stepping into the arena was what it's all about. This is going to be 10x the value. And for the founding members, please do go and check this out. This is a huge opportunity to get in at the ground floor. That's ayalpha.com forward slash arena. All I ask at this stage is give this your attention. Go and have a look at it. Click the 10 Alpha Laws of Power, my free giveaway. That's something I put a lot of thought into and will be useful to you. Standalone will be useful to you and I think will help as you move forwards. And also, if you don't relate to that, this is very not likely not the arena for you. But if you do resonate with some of the points on there, you're exactly the person I'm talking to and exactly the person who can become in and be part of this team. 